Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. So wherever you are this morning, if, if you're feeling isolated and lonely in this time of quarantine, you feel like nobody sees you, if you are terrified about what the future holds for you and your family economically, if you're scared about getting sick and about what all might happen, God sees you and he doesn't scold you for being afraid. He draws near. And then after a brief exchange with his disciples, uh, where we learn that Jesus is actually less focused on the cause of the situation than he is on letting God be glorified through its cure, it says that Jesus spit on the ground, he made a mud pie, and he wiped the mud on the man's eyes. And he said, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Now, let's just like name the fact Jesus' actions here are pretty weird. Um, and his commands to the man, it's interesting, he doesn't even say anything or promise anything about him being healed. Uh, he just tells this man who's never met him before, go wash the mud off your face. But to this man's credit, he went and washed, and he came home seeing, verse 7. And so I think the first thing that we need to learn from this man about how to be a disciple in a time of crisis is that it sometimes requires obedience to the voice of Jesus before we fully understand what's going on. Like I said, this man didn't know Jesus previously. He hadn't gotten any promise of healing out of Jesus's mouth. And as we learn in verse 11, actually all he knows at this point about who Jesus is, is that he's a man they call Jesus. He doesn't understand Jesus's full identity. He doesn't know exactly why mud was wiped on his eyes, but still he hears Jesus' voice and he obeys. He goes, he washes, and as a result, he came home able to see. Friends, there are going to be times, many times ahead of us, where we are called to be obedient to Christ when we don't know exactly what is going on or what is going to happen. When our vision of our situation, and probably even at times, our vision even of Jesus will feel incredibly limited. But if we wait for full understanding, before we are willing to be obedient, we're not ever going to go. And right now, we don't yet know the full picture of all that Christ will require from us in the days ahead. Right now, at the very least, it seems like loving God and neighbor well means taking physical distancing seriously. It means looking out for at-risk folks in our church and our neighborhoods who need supplies and food. It means Zooming and calling each other um, and encouraging each other in big ways and small ways. But this man shows us that if we are willing to listen and obey in the little that we do know, our vision will increase. He was willing to go and to wash in the pool called scent. Um, it's the same word actually that gets used for apostle. He listens and obeys even without full understanding. And as a result, he becomes one who is sent by Jesus. But even then, there was a lot that this man did not know. 
Um, and so the second thing I think we need to learn from him about how to follow Jesus through crisis is that we have to hold our assumptions loosely and be honest about our uncertainty. Um, as you read through this chapter, uh, there's a repeated phrase um, on the healed man's lips that I find pretty refreshing, and it's honestly pretty rare. He repeatedly says this phrase, I don't know. I don't know. He's honest about the fact that he doesn't know the answer to the questions that come from the crowd. And then when he's brought before the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, he tells them he doesn't know a lot. Meanwhile, the Pharisees, these religious leaders repeatedly, they insist again and again, we know. He said, they say, we know this man is a sinner talking about Jesus. Well, we know God spoke to Moses. Who even is this Jesus guy? They hold so tightly to their assumptions about God and about how they think he must work that they actually blind themselves both to the miracle of this man's healing and more importantly, they blind themselves to the identity of the healer, Jesus himself. The healed man, however, he is honest about the fact that he's in a new situation. Everything has changed for him, and he's having to rethink everything. He says, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And oddly enough, you know, as this man is honest about what he can't see, his vision of Jesus continues to grow. Um, in verse 17, he no longer calls Jesus just a man, but he says, I actually think he's a prophet. Friends, we're in a time where there's a lot that we don't know. There is more uncertainty about our daily lives and about our future than maybe any of us has ever experienced. We're in uncharted territory. But what if we came to begin to see some of that uncertainty as an opportunity instead of as an evil. Because I think that this exchange um, between the healed man and the Pharisees shows us that sometimes our certainty about the way things are is the very thing that prevents us from seeing Jesus for who he really is. And in the days ahead, as we're forced to say, I don't know about more and more aspects of our daily life, I wonder if we might have the opportunity to actually see our lives more clearly than we could before. We're gonna be forced to reconsider what is most important, what is really valuable, what is really essential in the lives that God has given us. And we're also going to have to examine who we really believe God to be. Do we really believe that God hears our prayers? Do we really believe that he loves us? Do we really believe that even our sufferings can be a participation in the cross of Christ? I'm sure that many of our answers to these questions will say the same, but I imagine that many of our answers are going to change. And many things that we thought that we believed, we might come to know in a much newer and deeper way. So the man who was born blind teaches us we're called to obedience, even when our knowledge is partial. He teaches us to hold our assumptions loosely and to be honest about our uncertainty. But finally, he also shows us that to be a disciple in a time of crisis 
means to worship Jesus. So when Jesus finds out that this man has been cast out of the synagogue and cut off from his entire community, he goes and he finds him. And Jesus asks, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. No longer is Jesus just a man. No longer is he even just a prophet. The healed man falls down and worships Jesus as Lord. And I believe he becomes the only person to do so in any of the gospels before the resurrection. Friends, worship is something that may to many of us feel inefficient or naive in a time of crisis. But I submit to you that worship is the most important thing that any of us can or will do. And as Eugene Peterson says, in a world in which we are constantly subject to dizzying disorientations, that's a perfect phrase for right now. He says, in a world where we're constantly subject to dizzying disorientations, worship is the act in which we are reoriented. It's the act in which we get our bearings again. Worship is the act, he says, of giving committed attention to the being and action of God. Worship is the act of giving committed attention to the being and action of God. And worship is essential now more than ever, because as we're swiftly learning, everything around us can literally change in an instant. And if our attention, I think, is consumed by our news feeds, From the moment that we wake up until the moment that we try to sleep, we are going to be dizzied to the point of collapse. You know, if you're trying to balance on an unstable object, if you're trying to walk across something like a balance beam, the only way to do it is to fix your eyes on a stable object in front of you, right? We have to carve out time like never before to give the Lord our undivided attention in the days ahead. Our lives and the lives of our neighbors literally depend upon it. And I'm incredibly thankful personally for the ways that our church is making this easier through nightly communal prayer. Every night, we have the chance to end our day by fixing our attention on the one who has already set his attention on us. And as we're here together this morning, we have the chance to worship our Lord, our Lord who sees us in our pain and who draws near. We have the chance to confess that there is much we do not know, but that we do know the one who is Lord over all, the one who will never leave or forsake us, the one who has conquered death itself and claimed us as his own. And I pray that even while our understanding of where this is all headed seems terribly inadequate, that we would be willing to listen to Christ's voice and to obey, to obey in things both big and small. And right now, maybe our obedience simply begins with staying home, with being present and patient with our families and our housemates and waiting for the call to serve because the call will come. Maybe it means praying hard for our healthcare workers and the elderly in our community. But by God's grace, 
as this crisis unfolds, I pray that not only we, but our world through us might come to see Jesus more clearly than ever before. Amen.